Yeah, I don't know. Do you have any topics in there that you want to talk about specifically? Welcome back, everyone. It's good to be back. It's been a while. Um, it's been like two or maybe almost three weeks since we've done our podcast, which it feels like it, honestly. I feel like we've gotten out of the rhythm a little bit, but lives are busy. Yeah, you threw me under the bus on Instagram because of it. I did. I did because you were gone for like a week and then I was sick or you were sick. No, you were sick. I was sick. And then you said that you were sick coming back from your trip. I was like, ah. And then last week, Lex's business is really growing. Oh, yeah, I forgot to bring that up. Um, what is she doing? She has rebranded her piercing business. So she pierces for a company in Pleasant Grove, but she also pierces at her house. And... She had a TikTok recently kind of blow up about a Galentine's event that's happening next Friday. Like 120,000 people viewed it and over a thousand people shared it. Like crazy publicity for her and her account. And so like people from Colorado are coming to this Galentine's thing. Like, yeah, so it's pretty cool. And because of that, a lot of people are messaging her privately saying they can meet earlier or they can get pierced earlier. So she's getting a lot of appointments and, and everything. So it's really cool. That's so great. She's got asked to do a couple more Galentine events because of that TikTok. Um, and those events are like where the money, where like real, real money can be. So what does she pierce? <laughs> uh, nothing on you. <laughs> uh, just ears. So I have ears, Elder. Yeah. You can get your ears pierced. It's 50 bucks for one, 85 for two. What do you think about piercing ears because i uh when i was in high school i really wanted to do it same we got fake ears <laughs> and my dad was like if you get your ears pierced you're paying for college i ended up paying for college myself <laughs> but so i should have just done it but he definitely used a scare tactic on me beer <laughs> but like what, what would you say if i just went out and pierced my ears is that like immature i i feel like that's not like i i wouldn't do it probably just for business reasons you know not spiritual yeah. reasons by any means yeah. Just like, how old is this kid, you know? Yeah. But I, I, part of me still kind of wants to fulfill that youthful desire. It. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, get, I think about get it. Get two earrings? Yeah. Well, Lex could do it. They're kind of feminine earrings, but they're very small and dainty. But yeah. you can get little daisy flowers if you want. No, I probably will never pierce my ears, even though... Apparently, the system that she uses doesn't hurt. Like, no, no, it's not, not for pain. I just, professionally, it's just like... I, I don't know. You know, I got I'm 30 years old. Yeah. I should, probably shouldn't be piercing my ears. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, but tattoos are another, another thing. Like I would probably get a tattoo. I've, I've always wanted a tattoo. Mm-hmm. I think they're cool. It could be one of the questions. Yeah. yeah. What, what question? Uh, are what, tattoos sinful? Absolutely not, bro. Well, that, if anyone thinks that tattoos are sinful, like give me a break. <laughs> How could you even argue that? Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll talk about it. Tattoos are sinful. Would you get a tattoo? Um, it's kind of the same reason that you said for ears. Like, I don't know. Like, I wanted one when I was a kid. I still think, like, sleeves are pretty cool. And I think, like, tattoos, like, kind of, like, right here on the neck or on, like, the spine are cool. But I don't think, A, I'm kind of a wuss. So I don't think I would want to do it. And I changed my mind so much. Like, I know in a couple of years, like, why did I do that? Like, I don't really... 
like that anymore, you know? So like, I, I don't know. I designed one last year and I, I specifically didn't go and get it because I thought I changed my mind, but I still want to get it. I, I still might. So, but it, it won't be like on my forehead, you know? That's good. <laughs> that would definitely not be a pro business move. But I don't know, maybe 10 years from now, tattoos are the norm in business. And that's just... Yeah, it's just cultural. Yeah, it is. It very much is. Well, today we have a different kind of format that we... Hold on, hold on. Uh, oh. got to fill you on my side of the business. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got, yeah. I got uh, asked to um, serve in a, another church calling position. Did you? Really? Yeah. What? Member of the bishopric. You're kidding. Um, I am kidding. <laughs> wow. Like, wow, man, this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know. You would have been so proud of me, wouldn't you? Well, I, well, I would have been proud if you accepted it because that's a lot of work. That's a lot of time. Yeah, no, but I did I did get a church calling extended to me. That's it. Um, I mean, it's just one of those silly little callings that... What? Uh, it's a secretary of the Sunday school, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So I met this guy at church. He was a cool guy. We met in the hall just randomly. We got started talking. Um, and I came home. I was like, oh, I met, met someone from our neighborhood. Like he's cool. He's in tech sales and mm-hmm. from California. And I just mentioned my wife. Next couple of days, I get a text from the bishopric. Hey, brother Cutler, can you come in and meet with the bishop? <laughs> yeah. Bring your wife as well. What? Like oh boy. I, I just got a calling. Like, yeah. So, anyways, I'm like, yeah, I can come in. We'll, we'll just come in right before church. So we went in before church. One of the members of the bishopric, he's like, yeah, we uh, would like to extend a, an offer to what, whatever they say, a calling, a calling to you to mm-hmm. serve in the Sunday school presidency as a secretary. I was like, okay, cool. I mean, what is that? Number one, and then mm-hmm. number two. I'd like to just have a conversation with the guy who thought it would be a good idea to, to do that. Sunday school president. Is yeah, that guy. exactly. So it was that guy that I met in the hallway. Wow. Um, so I was like, yeah, respectfully, I, I'm not going to give you an answer today, but I do want to talk to that guy and then I'll get back to him. If that's okay. So anyways, um, I, uh, he called me this week and we chatted and part of the reason I wanted to talk to him is because I don't want a calling just because to stay active, you know, it's yeah. like, don't, don't waste my time and I'm not going to waste your time. Right. If there's a genuine need to serve and like, I have the time for it and I can prioritize it because my family's okay and I can still, you know, see them and prioritize the, the most important things in my life, then I'm happy to serve. Truly. Yeah. And that's what I told him. He's like, yeah, we think that you'd be a really good fit. We want you to work in youth with the youth and we want you to teach mission prep. I'm like, wow. And so I was like, okay, that's great. I just want to let you know, like, I'm not going to be your cookie cutter, like mission prep teacher. And yeah. I told him that <laughs> yeah. I was like, there are some things that I, I regret teaching on my mission. Mm-hmm. Do I regret going on my mission? Absolutely not. I will encourage my son to go on the mission. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's, it was like the two best years for, for, for my life. And honestly, it was two best years of my life. I was very happy on my mission. So anyways, um, yeah, that's that. I so I'll, I'll be teaching mission prep to a bunch of young wow. kids. That's sick. Um, and I also told them I was like, listen, I I camp a lot in the week, like in the summer, so you won't see me at church very often in the summer, like just yeah. realistically. And he's like, okay, that's cool. We'll just mm-hmm. coordinate it. So 
Anyways. Body down, man. That's back, cool. back active. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Wow. I've got That's my cool. active label back, That's... according to the uh, the ward. They've they've done it. They've, they've done re- it. They've reactivated. They have a they, lost soul. They have, and wow, the difference in your countenance. I is... know, right? You can feel the spirit again. Yeah, I was gonna say it feels brighter in here. Like it's. <laughs> Wow, man, that's cool. That's actually like a, that's a cool calling, like teaching mission prep. I don't think it's a cool calling, but I would rather be teaching someone. Yeah, you like to teach. Yeah. So if you could teach, teaching mission prep, like two of the best years of your life, I yeah. mean, that's kind of like a perfect scenario. It's not like you're going to be teaching Sunday school lessons that are planned out for you, you know? Yeah. To... Dude, imagine me teaching Sunday school. That would just be a hoop, man. That would be. That'd be interesting. Yeah, I would I'd probably just sit up there and just ask people questions, like what they thought about certain things and just like kind of get discussion go. going. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to do that one of these days. Yeah. It would be That's nerve wracking. my though. favorite. It would be very nerve wracking. Yeah. Um why so, why? Why are you nerve wracking? Um, I mean, even though I'm I'm a pretty bold guy, I I still care about like what people think about me, right? Like no one likes being judged. So you know, talking about things that are maybe unconventional or answering in ways that maybe you wouldn't answer in a Sunday school setting or a public setting is uh, is a bit intimidating when you go to church. You know, it, is, like, yeah. it almost feels like when you go to church, you have to answer a certain way because you have to fit in. Otherwise, people will look at you differently. And then when people start looking at you differently, then expectations change. And then people start thinking, OK, well, maybe he's struggling. And so I'm going to make it a point to like really go and say hi to this brother every, Mm -hmm. every time I see him at church, you know, and people start treating you differently. Like that's just what happens in organized religion in that setting, because there's a bunch of people that want to do the right thing and they believe the right thing is that you have to be active in church. So any means this. And and so any hint of inactivity or something that's out of the norm sparks like, okay, we need to make sure that we're, saving this person you know yeah yeah making making them feel welcome or keep building their faith because the worst thing that could possibly happen is for them to fall by the wayside yeah yeah well i think you'd do a good job at sunday school especially if you did it in that format those are some of my favorite discussions are when it's just like open and people are like actually being honest about things like that's why i try to gear my lessons that you've never come to over the last two and a half years to be very honest and very like i don't i i openly say i don't know this and i don't like i really don't understand it and i open it up to the floor and hear what they have to say and it's cool to hear people like agree like yeah i never understood this either it's like wow you're like 80 years old and you are in the same boat that i am that's pretty cool you know so i think you'd be good at it but it is scary like i get i totally understand the whole if you say something wrong you know, Sister Smith thinks, okay, Dallin's struggling. We need to we need to make a point to come visit them this week. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. It, it like it like encourages good attention. It, but... it literally encourages inauthenticity, I feel like. Dude. It, it for sure can. The most inauthentic part of the church is like ministering, for example. It's just like it can be. It can be. <laughs> I've I've never really okay. I, I actually did Brother Eddie growing up. Sean right, Eddie. Yeah. You remember the Eddies? Yeah, for sure. I always felt like he actually wanted to come and visit us, like home yeah. teaching. We actually enjoyed having him over. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I just feel like it encourages inauthenticity. Yeah. I think the whole point 
of the ministering change was to make it more authentic and not. Of course, that's what the that point was the point was, of it. But was it, didn't but happen. it hasn't. Happened, so, or at least, it's not as caught on as I think a lot of people hoped it would. So, yeah. but man, so now you have two callings. Well, I don't know. Maybe I was released from my other one. I never the did activity. anything. <laughs> activities. <laughs> that was lit. That was for sure just a calling. The to, like, activities keep me active. on. Yeah. You didn't you plan one party? But you plan one activity. Yeah, I sent a few texts out to respond. That's, That's it. All, it's all it takes, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, so one pending two callings for Dallin Cutler. Yeah. Big time, man. Big time, big time guy right here. Big time. Um cool. Well, uh, any other updates? Nope, that's it. You can get to it. Okay. So there was a recent video that was released by Jubilee. Um, where they had a group of members of the church and groups of former members of the church and asked them kind of like stereotypical questions and got their thoughts and opinions and to see if they could agree or disagree on the question. So I thought it'd be kind of fun for Dallin and I to do the same thing, where we ask the question and we pick an answer and then we reveal it at the same time to each other and then we explain why we chose what we did. So we have a list of eight questions here. And if this is enjoyable and people like it, um, feel free to send questions. Uh, I've gotten a couple of messages uh, like this before. Um, ooh, I have another one I just thought of. Um, God, um, I don't know how to word this. Um, and, and just so everyone is aware, Chris made these uh... I don't even know if you can see these. Well, no we can one, show no, them to each other. No one watches the podcast anyway. But <laughs> it's strongly agree, somewhat agree, somewhat disagree, and strongly disagree. So he's going to read the question. It sounds like we're going to put up paper and then discuss our answers. That that question we're going to have to maybe explain. Okay. I don't, I mean, do we do we want to do this first one? Like, I sure. sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I don't want to see your answer until. It's time. Okay. What do you mean until it's time? Until I say three, two, one, and then we reveal. I want it to be genuine. All right. So the first one, the, is Mormonism a cult? And the answers are somewhat agree, strongly agree, somewhat disagree, strongly disagree. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Okay. Three... Two, one, strongly agree? Yeah. I said somewhat agree. Okay, why'd you put strongly agree? Uh, because I think that it is a cult. And I also think that Christianity is a cult. And I think that those who vote for Donald Trump, for example, are, are, are cults. Like, they, they give that example in the YouTube video. I don't, it's like... Yeah, like cults. Like, what? What is it? How would you define a cult? That's why that's is the premise of the question. I think. Yeah, why What's is a cult? Why, why is it a bad thing? Yeah, uh, like that's like what, there there are bad cults and are there good cults? I think. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I would say yes. Uh, like you said, I would say that every sect of religion is, in essence, a cult. I think where cults, where people draw the line, is like you're unable to leave. You are manipulated in a way that makes your ability to choose limited. So whether it's hypnotism or through masses amount of false information, um, and there's extreme, extreme pressures for you not to be able to leave 
under threat of life or penalty or something. So, but I agree with you. I think that the term cult has a very negative connotation, but if you look at like every religion that practices something that has dogma, it's a cult. Like people, in order to belong to the group, you need to do certain things. And if you don't do those certain things, then you're no longer part of the group. So. Yeah, society is a cult for the most part. Yeah. So I think that's kind of a silly question. I think it's a kind of a kindergarten level because you have to define what a cult is. And Do you and, feel like you're controlled, though, in the Mormon religion? Absolutely not. No. Sure, there are pressures to do certain things and stuff. But, I, again, in any other context. Well, there are definitely elements of control. There's, like, giving up full control. There's giving up a little control. And there's giving up no control, right? So mm-hmm. I would say that there is an element of control within organized religion. For sure. Uh, and the, I, don't, I, don't, I actually haven't brought this up to you. Um, but like something that you said in uh, one of our last podcasts with Christian about consent and covenants, I think it was in. Mm-hmm. I know you're not going to like this, but I'm, I'm going to bring it up anyways. But you mentioned that you were scared to go into the temple. Because you were like afraid to leave that, that, that like whatever was in the temple, you were afraid that it would like lead you to leave the church. It would scar me. Yeah. Well, like you sacrificing said, a goat. yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I wonder if like, if you were really honest with yourself, because there was a time in my life where like, it was a little nerve wracking to, to go read Mormon, anti-Mormon material. Right. Yes. Yeah, because like, what if you lose my testimony? Yeah, what if you lose your testimony or what if you leave? So to me, like that's that's a that's a scary position to be in, wouldn't you say? Like if you're scared to leave something, is there an element of control that you should be giving up in the first place that exists? What do you think? Mm, is it possible to be scared to leave something that's good? Um I don't, I don't know. I've, I've literally never been scared to leave my marriage. What about your job? Um, yeah, I've, I've been scared to leave a job, but partially because, um, partially because, well, yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's a great, great way to answer this. I, I don't, if I, when I'm scared to leave a job, I'm, I'm afraid of the unknown, the uncertainty that exists in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I guess, I guess we would have to unpack like where that fear is coming from. If you were afraid to leave the church. Um, okay. Yeah. I could see where you're coming, coming from with that. Maybe it's not a bad thing to be afraid of leaving the church, but on the other hand, I think that, I don't know. Do you think that's a good position to be in? Mm, Maybe. I mean, should I be afraid to leave my job? I guess I should should say. Like, fair enough. I, I I have been afraid to leave a job. But should I? Should you be afraid to leave a church? I think it's hard to leave something that you're comfortable with. And I was really comfortable with the church and I liked it. And yeah. so I didn't wanna I didn't wanna leave it, you know? And I think honestly, I think part of it is like teenage like hyper-focusing on something like now my, my attitude is very much changed. Like, especially like the anti-Mormon doctrine, I think is a perfect example. Like I was terrified of reading anti-Mormon stuff until I actually read it. And then I was like, okay, 
this isn't as scary as everyone makes it out to be. Like, I can see why people tell us not to read it, but I think that I shouldn't be necessarily scared of reading it. Scared. Did I just say scared? Is it? It's not scared. Scared, <laughs> scared of reading it. Um, so, but I, yeah, I don't know if that helps clarify a little bit. I guess what I'm trying to get at is you should never be scared of the truth. If the, if the truth scares you, that's probably not a good mindset to be in. And so if you're really after the truth and you're open to the truth, <laughs> then I could see that then, yeah, it shouldn't be scary. I, I don't think. Yeah. Right. So if, if your mindset is I'm after the truth, then going to read anti-Mormon literature, for example, should not be scary. I don't yeah, think. It shouldn't be. Yeah. But I'd love to hear someone push back on that. My point is, should the fear exist? I don't, I don't think know. The fear, I, I don't think the fear should exist. The fear of leaving. Yeah, I guess the, the, the fear the, of the feeling, leaving the, the church. Feeling, the feeling of fear is natural. Fair enough. Uh -huh. But should it exist? No, I don't think so. Anyways, yeah. we can move on. Yeah. But yeah, cults. Um, I think the, the Mormon church is probably a cult. And uh, if it is to a point where you are losing your control and you feel like you're being controlled, then you should probably reconsider yeah. your relationship with that church, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I certainly don't feel like that anymore. Yeah. I feel like I'm in a really healthy relationship with the church. Yeah. 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 I agree. I think if you do feel that way, either your leaders or the people around you are doing it in such a way that is not the goal of the church and it's not you're not being taught correctly. And so that's, I think a red flag. I give like one of the examples that I've given in the past was like, if a parent says, if you come home early from your church, from your mission, you will no longer be a member of this family. That that's control. That's fear. That's punishment. That's cultish behavior. You know, that is not Christ-like behavior, but I know that that exists within the church. And I think that that is not good. Like that's not healthy. Thankfully, I think it's lessening, but that type of mentality is like, if you come home from early from your mission, you're no son of mine. Like, golly, talk about anti-Mormon doctrine. You know, that's horrible uh, things to teach. So I think there are elements to it, but I think like you're saying like cult, cult. Sure. If you want to use that word to describe a religion. Sure. I don't, I all own it. Whatever. It's like, it's like the worst, it's like the worst insults that you can give to a Mormon. It's like, you're a part of a cult. But to me, it's like, okay, buddy, <laughs> yeah. I'm a part of a cult. I know, yeah. Sure is a great cult. Yeah, I know, for real. I know, for real. So, um, yeah, cool. All right. Next one. Shout out to Jeremy. Uh, the Mormon community welcomes LGBTQ community. The Mormon community welcomes LGBTQ community. All right, ready? Three, two, one. Somewhat agree. Somewhat agree. I'll go first this time. I think I think members nowadays are really trying to be as welcoming and as loving as possible to LGBTQ community. Does prejudice prejudice exist? Yeah. Are there people out there that don't care for LGBTQ people? For sure. Should that be the main, and is that the main culture of the community? I don't think so. I could be wrong, but talking to Jeremy, I know he's just an anecdote in terms of like scale. Um, but I think that Jeremy saying he's been extremely welcomed wherever he is, uh, especially coming after coming out. 
I think that's a great sign, you know, and I think that, I think most of the time members are just trying to do their best to love other people. And sometimes that can come across in a way that maybe is not welcoming. But I think that the most of the time the intent is to be welcoming. I think there is a lot of room for improvement. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It depends on how you, how you're going to find welcome. If yeah. it's just like, as a, as a culture, are we becoming more welcoming than we were 20 years? 100%. I would agree with that. Is the doctrine welcoming to the LGBTQ community? I would probably strongly disagree. Yeah, um, me too. But I am not one that is a fan of dogma, as I've told you before. So, you know, one of the, the founding principles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is that God speaks, not spoke. Mm -hmm. And the reason that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or the Mormon Church exists is because a boy decided to go and ask God. And God spoke to him. And he received revelation that this was what he was supposed to do at this time. If that is true, then we are entitled to the exact same level of revelation, I think. And mm -hmm. so the reason I bring this up is because dogma is something that can never change. And so do I believe... Can dogma not change? Yeah. Isn't dogma... Define dogma. Look it up. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's unchangeable doctrine. Like doctrines that cannot change. Can't look it Actually, this this is an interesting one though because I I do believe in eternal law. I believe that there are certain laws out there that have to be eternally immutable. Um, I'm not exactly sure which ones those those are. I think one of them is probably like love is a good thing. You know, I can't imagine a world or a universe where love is a bad thing. But um, so so this dogma, right? I I think that there are some people in the church that believe that God will never, ever allow homosexuality. Uh, allow, and what do you mean allow? Like, homosexuality will always be considered a sin. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, for sure. People think that, yeah. I'm not convinced. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I would not say that that is... 100%, yeah. ...firmed in my mind, because I don't really know what to make of homosexuality and how we're supposed to deal with it. Luckily, I don't have to deal with it. Personally. I, yeah, personally, I, I, I'd like to know, though, because you know, I, have, I have friends who are gay and they struggle with this. And, you know, when Jeremy is talking about living as a gay member of the church and feeling like his whole identity goes against the entire plan of salvation because he feels like he can't have a family or that he can't have an eternal marriage or he can't, like, marry the person that he, quote, unquote, loves is how he described it. Mm -hmm. That'd be hard, you know, because I grew up and knowing or believing that I was going to get married someday and have kids and go to the temple. And that was like the path it was carved out for me. And there was nothing different. So if, if, if someone grows up believing that like they have no place in that plan, man, that would be pretty freaking depressing. Mm -hmm. And I understand why someone might want to commit suicide being mm -hmm. in that kind of environment. So from a doctrinal perspective, I don't think the LDS church is very welcoming. So we have to figure out what to do about that. You know, mm -hmm. is it meant to be this way and we're just missing something and we have to think of this in a different way or do we need to change? And 
you know, is it, is it an instance of like blacks in the priesthood where we've just gotten this wrong for years and years? And this is now God introducing this to us at a time where we have access to more information that we've ever had access to mm -hmm. and maybe probably more openness than has ever existed in the entire world. Mm -hmm. So I, I really don't know. I have no idea. It's, it's something that stumps me. And so I, I try and leave an open mind. I try and think about these things. And, um, so anyways, yeah. Going back to your question, I think it depends on how you define welcoming. Yeah. I've been thinking about this a lot. Uh, th this last lesson that I taught in Elder's Quorum, um, I brought this up. So I talked to my mom, I talked to my dad, I talked to a couple of people about this. And it's hard for me to articulate this point. <clears throat> but the church's, what would you say are the church's? two primary purposes if there are two primary purposes of the church what do you think they are doesn't it say in like the new testament it's like to perfect the saints what does paul say it's like perfect the saints and then to uh, i don't know i can't remember you tell me what are the two purposes well i don't know i don't know the answer but to me the two purposes are one the church yeah the primary point of the church I as an organization yes i think one is to first establish the doctrine and to give the path on how to come back to Christ. And second, which is very close unto it, is to bring as many people to Christ as possible. I think those are the two primary objectives, not necessarily in order, but I think that those are the two primary objectives. So the church has this really fine line of doing both one and two, bringing as many people to Christ as possible and loving them as Christ would and establishing the doctrine of how to get back to him. And because at sometimes it feels like those are like at odds with one another. And I think that um, the church, the whole point of the church and what Christ has done is to bring us back to him. And Christ, through what he has said and through prophets and apostles has established, okay, in order for you to come back and live with me and to become like me, these are the promises that you need to make in order to become more like me and my father. And two, these are the commandments that we live by. And so I think one of those commandments is marriage. And as far as we've been revealed, marriage between a man and a woman. If we want to become like God and have eternal progression, marrying a woman and being sealed to her is that way. However, that does not mean that like, A, we often forget that, okay, we know the path to get to God, but thankfully we know that the telestial and terrestrial kingdoms are still immense places of happiness, of love, abounding. You know, it's not like it's hell at all. Like, it's the opposite of hell. And so I feel like we as a church need to recognize that, A, none of us are celestial beings yet. A lot of people think that, yep, because I go to the temple, because I'm married, because I've been baptized, I'm going to celestial king, baby, and I'm going to become like God. That may be true, but it's not a guarantee, right? That's the whole point of enduring to the end thing. But like, we also need to recognize that most of us are telestial beings and we're trying to become celestial. And if someone is gay, according to what has been revealed, that isn't the path to become like God. But that does not mean that he can't be in the church. You know, like that doesn't mean that we can't still be good and faithful to other commitments, right? Like, one thing I love about what's, what's your point? What's your point? That justice is truly just, and we will have the reward that we want. And I think in the end, so essentially, what you're saying is like 
if gay people stay gay and or this is what the church teaches if, if gay people stay gay and they don't decide to have a heterosexual relationship or a marriage then they will not be in the celestial kingdom but that doesn't necessarily mean that they can't be happy is that what you're saying yeah like they'll choose not to be in the celestial kingdom because that's what makes them happy Listen, the scenario could very well exist. What I'm saying is that may be true. I'm not convinced that it is true. Mm -hmm. There may be something else that we are just missing. It could for, be. I, for, yeah. for example, I don't know. I don't. I really don't think. I have a really hard time believing the celestial kingdom is actually a place. It's more of a state. The, the terrestrial kingdom is a place, and the celestial kingdom is a place. I think they're physical locations. I think that the way that God teaches us is through symbols and analogies and through language that's very imperfect. And so Joseph Smith may have been revealed this doctrine to help him understand or to help us understand like what it truly means to um, be in heaven or, or live heaven. I think of eternal life as a type of life that is lived, right? Not, mm -hmm. not an actual destination. And so Agreed. I, I agree with your um, sentiment that eventually, at the end of the day, when, when everything is said and done, the person that you have become is a person that you have to live with. Yeah. And so you'll live with that person. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, God wants us to be as happy as possible. And so he will try and provide the blueprint for us to live the happiest life possible, which mm -hmm. is eternal life. Yeah. Eternal life is not like a cookie cutter. We all have to be wearing white and singing the same song. Mm -hmm. Right, there will be personality and there will be diversity within that that mold. But like these principles that he's trying to teach us are heaven, and we can learn them while we're here practicing heaven. Whether or not homosexuality is included in that blueprint, I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea that it very well could be. But what has been revealed up to this point in in Christianity is that it is a sin. But I just I, I I don't know what to make of that. So that, that's where I leave it. Yeah. I really don't know what to make of it. Yeah, I have thoughts and ideas, and, and I talked a little bit about that with you and Jeremy, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like I said, I don't really know either, but yeah, I think it's like, I don't know. Yeah, it's hard. It's a, it's a, we don't know. We don't know. So it's hard to be concrete about things. I mean, when you hear like President Oaks and President Nelson say like, yeah, this is just the way it is. I think that they're just saying like, look, this is, this is the way that we've been told to become like Emily Father. You know, this is just how we've been told. And this, these, he's God. He's the one that receiving revelation from. And so like, it kind of hurts hearing a lot, but if we want to become like him, this is how. What is so interesting to me though, about this uh, question of LGBTQ it's like we can, for me, the family unit is the the blueprint that God gives us to get the closest to him, I think. Mm -hmm. Because within a traditional heterosexual relationship, you can produce children. Mm -hmm. And when you become a father or you become a mother, you become, you have the opportunity to go as close to the divine as you've ever been mm -hmm. in your entire life, I think. I agree. I've been very close to God on my mission before, but the closest that I've ever felt to him or understood him or, or, or the best I've understood him was as soon as I became a father. Yeah. 
So can you get that in a homosexual relationship? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can. You can mm -hmm. go adopt, right? Mm -hmm. um, I've never adopted, so I don't know the kind of love that you feel mm -hmm. for a child that you adopt versus a child that you rear. Maybe it's the same. I don't know. I've yeah. never had that experience. You but, have a sister that was. Yeah, but I never had that experience. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I think of her as my sister, just like my other siblings. It's like, yeah, it's like she's always been there, you know, like she's yeah. my sister. So I imagine it's the same experience. So the, the question that I would, I would come back to is like, okay, if you're gay and you can go adopt children and you can become a father, is there anything else that they're missing in that blueprint? Or can they learn the same eternal principles that God has given access through heterosexual relationships and marriage? Yeah. I don't know. I think that actually leads to uh, this other question, to me at least. Uh, women and men are equal in the church. Are women and men equal in the church? I don't know if we want to give the answer on that, but I think that that kind of ties into this subject a little bit. I'm happy to provide an answer. These, these questions are so hard. It's just like, what are we defining as equal? equal. Yeah, I know. So That's actually, I'm not going to answer so we can just talk about it. Come on. You answer. Uh, I think strongly or somewhat disagree. Disagree? I think it's purposefully that way. The men, the men... I think it depends on what we mean equal. I think that we are different. That's okay. I think that it's okay to be different. It's okay to not be exactly the same. I think that, sure, uh, equal in terms of status or whatever that means... Yeah, we're not. And is that okay? I don't know. But I think that we have different roles, typically. And I think we have different strengths, typically. And I think that men and women are different. Definitely. There are definitely more similarities and differences, but I think that there are different. And so I think that in terms of like actual quality before God, we are totally 100% equal. I don't think God looks at a man or a woman as any more or less important than the other. I just think that they have different roles and quite frankly, I don't know why that that's such a big deal. Yeah. yeah. Like the funny thing that gets me in this question is like women will like, can I ever become a prophet then? Mm -hmm. And the answer is no, mm -hmm. but I'm just sitting over here asking like, why are we even asking that question? Like, is, is it about power? Is yeah. it just a power struggle? Yeah, exactly. What does Jordan Peterson say about power? Like, that it corrupts almost instantly. No, ah, gosh dang. I wish I would have done my research before. He's the postmodernists, uh, think like the, the greatest debate of life is, is the hierarchy of power. Yeah. The hierarchy of power, but it's but, actually not, but it's all. not. What does he say? It's that it negotiated is? relationships. Or something like that. It's uh, like with chimps and stuff, how the, the the strongest male often does not make a good leader and is often exiled almost immediately because they're exercising unrighteous or inappropriate domain using power. Yeah. Whereas like the best civilized societies or chimps have a negotiated power structure where there's give and take between the leader and the woman. The main point he makes is that it's not about this struggle for power. We are focused on the wrong thing mm -hmm. if we're focused on who has the power. Mm -hmm. Like, like 
are we equal in power? No, of course not in the church because men have the priesthood authority and they make the decisions. But like being equal in power is just like an irrelevant question. In my opinion, if you're focused on power, your heart is not in the right place. And so if you have a desire to go and be the prophet or if, they want to be a leader of the the ward, you know? Yeah. Like, it's like the guy that wanted to be AP on his mission. So, you know, it's like, gosh, I wish I was AP. Right. It's like, yeah, we know where your heart is. Yeah, exactly. You're a real winner. You're a disciple of Christ. That's that's what Jesus was focused on. Yeah. But the second thing that I think that they would probably fight back is like representation. Right. What, how do you feel about representation? Like, for example, in that, that YouTube video, this woman was like, yeah, there's just like a bunch of white guys on the stand and you go to church and you see only guys. I want to see more women up there. And it's mm-hmm. like, I don't even think about that, first of all. So say that's is that, privilege. yeah, is that actually a thing? I think so. And and is that, why is that important? Uh, it's hard for me to say, man. I, I don't know because I don't really care either. And honestly, bishops don't really speak all that often. They're often just sitting there. And well, let's, the time let's, we have a man and woman teaching us anyways. In the pulpit. Let's try and, and find uh, an example where it's the opposite. Where would you step into a setting where you are severely underrepresented? And how does that make you feel? I go to like certain communities or something. If I go to different areas of the country, let me feel, you know, alone or, I don't know, if I go to, Compton or if I go to Chula Vista or something and I'm the only white guy, I might feel threatened or I might feel, or if I see a white person, I might be like, oh, okay, there's somebody else. I don't know. This is what white privilege, right? I mean, one male white privilege. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I've been in situations where I was like the minority because I was the only Mormon. Yeah. I don't know if that's, if that's similar, but like I never really felt insecure about that. It was never important for me to just like balance it out and be like, Hey, I need more Mormons around me in order to feel like I'm important or represented. Yeah. Well, it's definitely a cultural thing overall. And I I think there's some merit to it, right? Like, like the guy said, but I think you nailed that right on the head. I think that if it's about power, that's the whole point of the warning and the priesthood is as soon as you use priesthood authority, without meekness, gentleness, humility, love unfeigned, you don't have power. Like that's the whole point is to basically rein you personally in to serve others. And by the way, just, just to put it out there in case anyone's forgotten, I don't even know what the priesthood authority is. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, th- I, I actually think it's like just some of this, this constructs that we have like. So developed. to that woman's point, you could say then it doesn't matter. Right. right. I, I exactly, I would agree. But like at the end of the day, all the men do make the, the decisions because this construct of priesthood authority does exist. Mm-hmm. And we like believe that it exists and that it is the ruling authority of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So, so to push back a little bit on that, do you think, so when you say men are making the decisions, well, I more think of is like, yeah, fair enough. It's not, yeah, it shouldn't be the man making a decision. In fact, that's what ward councils are for. That's what the presidency is for. But that goes back to my point that God, we all have the same right to go to God and get answers mm-hmm. to these kinds of decisions. Mm-hmm. So 
I know you're going to like pop off with like some keys and like, you can't go and receive revelation for other people. But, um, I don't even know if like, like a Bishop, for example, can he receive revelation for an entire congregation that you're not entitled to receive as well? I don't know if you'd want it. Honest. Well, I answer the question. Do you think that's true? I, I don't think, I don't think that that's true. I think that you're entitled to any revelation that any other person is entitled to. Except for maybe that individual's life. Like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you what to do with your life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that that's honestly also the role. The bishop's not supposed to tell you what you're supposed to do with your life. You're supposed to counsel with you. Like That's the whole point of a bishop. But he holds the keys, bro. He does. He does. I, I believe that. Keys. And, I, and I've seen it with my dad. You know, like I've seen him as a bishop versus not being a bishop. You think you've seen it because that's oh, what you've bro. been, that's, that's what you've been taught. Well, he's, I mean, he's even admitted it. Like, I mean, when you step into a role, you obviously become a different person. Yeah. When I step into the role as, you know, at, at my job, I'm much different than the mm -hmm. role as a father. Yeah. So it's not necessarily like these keys, these magical keys. Maybe that's just it. You're stepping into another role. You're accepting different responsibilities. Yeah. But like, it's not like you get other superpowers. I don't think. I don't know. I think, I mean, every time you get a calling, you get a blessing, which I know, I guess, goes to <laughs> which your... Which is a prayer. <laughs> well, I don't know. It could be a, a divine instruct from God to let you know, like, hey, yeah, you were called for this. And I'm blessing you with the capability to perform yeah. and to receive revelation for the people that you're going to be over, you know, over your mission prep. But what I'm saying is my wife could just give me that same prayer and it would be the same power. Maybe. I don't know. What do you mean, maybe? Why not? Why not? Not. No, answer my question. You answer mine. I did. I told you how I, I believe, but why? It's it's a prayer at the end of the day. I so don't know. Why can't my wife give me that same blessing and have it be the same power? Because I don't think that requesting something and giving something are the same thing. What? I think a prayer is a request and a blessing is a give. Okay, so she can't give blessings? Because, uh, no, because she, doesn't, that. Because she doesn't have a, a, the, the priesthood authority. I, I don't think she can give priesthood blessings, whatever <laughs> that means. But I think that yeah, whatever give, that means, man. Uh, but, I mean, women in back in the day used to give blessings. Okay, dude. Let me yeah. just break it down for you simply. I lay my hands upon your head. I'm a priesthood holder. I'm leaving righteously. We're yeah. good. I'm a clean vessel. Okay. I bless you. With what authority? Jesus Christ's authority, of course. Not yours. No. Not a personal request, but with Jesus Christ's authority. Yep. I'm standing behind you, hands on my head. I'm blessing you in the name of Jesus Christ with peace. Okay. Or extra power to do your calling. Mm -hmm. Lisa does the same thing, but she doesn't put her hands on your head. Mm -hmm. She can do the same thing, can she not? She can request for you to have those blessings. That doesn't mean that. God is giving you them himself, I guess. And then you definitely don't believe that men and equal are in the, in the eyes of God. Well, I think that men and women are equal. I, I said strongly disagree, but I think that they have different roles. So they don't have access to the same power of God that we do. Uh, just as I don't have the same power to receive revelation for the bishop. I don't think my wife has the power to give a priesthood blessing. Why is that role? Why is that different? Because I've been given that authority. I totally disagree. 
totally disagree. I, and and I, I still haven't heard a good argument from you, so or Peter, actually anyone else for that matter, of why there is a difference. So when Peter, James, and John allegedly came to Joseph Smith and John and Oliver Cowdery to give them priesthood authority, what did they do? It was very symbolic. It was like, hey, buddy, we need to establish an organized church. You're going to lead it. There's purpose in leadership and organization, mm-hmm. but it's to me, it's not an actual power that exists. So why the, did they the, lay their hold hands on? Hold on, hold on. The, the power because it was symbolic. The power that actually exists behind the symbol of the priesthood is the power of God, right? Which right. everyone has equal access to if they have faith in Jesus Christ. So, are blessings merely symbolic? Uh. Yeah, probably. I, like, what do you what do you mean by that question? Like, when Peter, James, and John came to Joseph Smith and they laid their hands on his head, it was a ritual. Yeah, it was a ritual. It was merely it's an ordinance. It, like they could have just said. I it. mean, yeah, you know how I feel about ordinances and rituals. Like, I I think that they are important because right. they help they help they help us remember, and number two, they can have deeper meaning within them that you can learn from. So there's definitely an importance of laying on of hands, right? So that could be the difference. But but there's no difference in the power is what I'm saying. The power behind the ritual is the same. It's the power of God accessed through faith in Jesus Christ. Could you say it's a different power? What is that power then? The power of the ritual? The power of God A versus God B? God through a certain ritual? Uh, sure, but then why... Well, no, I, I don't think so. Why, why would that be any different? Well, apparently it is different to God. I don't think it is different to God. Then why did he give the 12 apostles? I just told you because it was symbolic just... and it was meant to teach us the purpose of organized religion. He, and that there, there is an order in heaven. But he said, with this authority, you'll be able to heal the sick, cast out de- demons, and heal lepers. With this authority. Yeah, women can do the same thing with prayer. I'm not saying that they can't, but so I'm just saying no that difference. They're, they're, well, no, just because you can do, I can, I can get healed from a bacterial infection from penicillin and amoxicillin. That does not mean that they're the exact same thing. Yeah. Right. They have the same effect, but so they then could what is, what is the difference? Define it, define it for me. One is authority and one is a request. No, I, I disagree. Well, we're probably, probably not going yeah. to agree to disagree. Yeah. Saying. Let's, let's keep going. Um, <laughs> Because I, I still owe me answers, though. I, I've been I've been giving you answers. You just don't like. Them. I just don't think they make sense. Well, not that I don't like them. Well, I just I, I'm giving you reasons why. If there are two separate powers, what are those powers? You're saying one is authority and one is one is just a request. One is faith alone. One is acting in His name. So you're sitting here telling me that you think that you can just command god to give me whatever you want if it's his will so what that's what prayer is if you are in the mind of god and you are aligned with his will can you not do the same thing with a prayer i think you can do a lot of the same things but i don't think that you can do exactly the same things. i can't request anything through prayer if it's god's will. i don't think that you can just pray to be baptized i don't think that you can just pray to make covenants that are, you know, there's a reason why Christ went to John the Baptist to get baptized. Huh? To teach us certain principles. To be baptized with someone holding authority. 
It is a lesson. Yeah, okay. I, I get the importance of authority. I'm just saying that what we think of as authority is accessible to everyone. I, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, for whatever reason, God thought it was so necessary that no, there is authority. You don't. You can't say God with definitive. Well, Peter, James, and John sent by God as angels. No, what Joseph Smith said. Well, yeah. How he understood it. Sure. Yes. And what the Book of Mormon and the Bible say about authority. I, that's all I'm drawing from is just from those sites, those sources. I don't know how else to... Nowhere in the Bible or the Book of Mormon does, is priesthood authority defined. Authority is stated as something that is necessary and as good. And, but, a, a, and some sense a legitimizer of... And frankly, there are a lot of scriptures that you could make the argument that the authority of God, the gift of prophecy, for example, is, is the Spirit. If you have the spirit with you and you pray in faith to Jesus Christ, yeah, that is the authority and the power of God. Yeah, it's prophecy for sure. Yeah. Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, but apparently men and women definitely aren't equal in the sight of God. Well, I, I said that they aren't. I strongly disagree. Nope. I firmly believe that. I firmly believe that we are very different on purpose. And believe that we have different roles on purpose. I don't think that that's bad. Just well, like you, how my you, left you, hand and right hand are well, hands. You think that women don't have the same access to power as men do? The, the power of God as men do. You think that Correct. men have a different level of access to God than women? Yes, and I think women also have a different access that's to God as men. Bro. No, is it? Yeah. Women can literally create God's children. That's a different power of God, right? Creation. I don't know. Maybe. Absolutely. God's main power is creation, and they can create life. I can create a painting. You can't create life. Uh, yeah, I can. No, you can't. I could be a geneticist. You cannot create human life without a woman. <laughs> right? Right? Um, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think but it's... But I get the point that you're trying to make. So, yeah, I can't give... But, and, and, but and... That's, that's just purely roles. Yeah. All I'm saying is, do we all have equal access to God's power? Yes. I Yes, I do. Then if we all have equal access to God's power, mm -hmm. then there is no difference between a priesthood blessing and a prayer of faith. Okay. Sure. <laughs> sure. I, I mean, I... I've given up. Yeah, because I, I think that women and men, just like how we... I don't want to talk in circles here. I think that as soon as I act, quote unquote, unrighteously or unlike God, that authority to act in his name is gone, which to me makes complete sense. It does to me too. And so, so the condition is you have to be like, like God a, and in God's will. Yeah. So if, someone, to act if someone is in God's will and like God, regardless of gender mm -hmm. or even religion for that matter, can they act in God's name? Yeah, I think they can. I think when you're me baptized, too. you're, you're essentially representative of him right so you can act in his name but honestly i think you're this may be a weird way of looking at it. i know a lot of people disagree with this but when you give a blessing and when you give a blessing saying i bless you with xyz you are like for me it takes a lot of faith to say certain things because whenever i'm giving blessings i really try to be sounds silly but being like at one with god and to say things that I truly feel he wants this person to have. Yeah. 
And I think if I do say something that is my own thing, it's in, it's like, I'm bearing that. Right. Like, and so I, it's, it's not like, so, so the actual ritual puts you in that mindset. Sure. Yeah. So that's, that's the purpose of the ritual and the Maybe. ordinance and the laying on of hands. That's why it exists is to remind us mm -hmm. that we have to be at one with God in mm -hmm. order to access his power. Yeah. I think that could be a reason. So it's not a necessary condition that like the priesthood authority to me doesn't exist. Um, it's just, it's like, it's a vessel that, that helps us get prepared for accessing the power of God. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think the word priesthood is often, it's like, I think the priesthood can be used as the power of God and we often use it in the male realm because that's where it typically happens. But I think the power of God is also made manifest in women all the time. It's just a different way that it's made manifest. I don't know why that is so controversial. Well, it's controversial because you just said that women can't ask, they can ask, but they can't demand from God. Well, I, Again, I don't know if demanding. Well, I know. Right. I don't remember the words you said. What did you say? Request? Request versus, versus ask. Giving. Re requesting versus giving. Yeah, you just said that women can't give. They the have priesthood to blessing. Right. They have to request it first. Just as Where they I do for prayer, right? Like we both have to request. <laughs> and again, like, again, I think it's so, we're looking at such a micro level. And, and forgetting the whole macro purpose, right? Like I, I've heard conflicting things about this, but 99% of the time, like I can't give myself a priesthood blessing. Like the whole point of it is to serve other you people. can pray. I can pray. And so can women. So like in our marriage, my role as a- I can pray with my hands on my head. You, sure, you could. But I don't think that that's the same thing, personally. I just don't. Like I think that that, it's almost impossible to not be selfish when you're blessing yourself. And so I think that's part of the difference too, is priesthood blessings are truly about giving to other people and to, and to, to give on behalf of the Lord. And I don't think you can really, really do that hundred percent of the time faithfully well, I think, on yourself. I think women would be okay. Maybe I'm, I'm not a woman, so correct me if I'm wrong, but if, uh, if we could just agree that women have the same access to God's power yeah, I agree with that. I just think we have different roles to play with using God's power. But yeah, like we all have equal access. I, I may misspoke. We all have equal access. But we have different roles in exercising that power. Sure. I have no problem with that. Maybe, and hopefully women wouldn't either. Because if it's like, because like the Aaronic, the, the tribe of Aaron, for example, was given the role of doing certain things within the church. Right, that's fine. I, I, not everyone can be right. not everyone can be a bishop. Not everyone can be right. a Relief Society president. So yeah, that's, exactly. That's fair, but like the fact that we believe that this priesthood authority exists and gives us a different kind of level of access to God is pretty prideful and pretty crazy to me. It can be if you look at it. No, so it is. If you believe you have a greater access to God because you hold a different kind of authority than someone else. Keyword is greater. Yeah. I, I think that. But we were just discussing. I know. Well, so when we, I say greater, I mean different. That's what I mean. And that's what I've said from the very beginning. It's different. Okay. Different access to God. No. 
what's it. what's the different access? It's the different like I don't we're talking in circles. A different role. <laughs> we have a different role. I just to want play. to be clear on this. That's that's it. That's it. I, I think we have a different role to play. Different role, not different access. Sure. Meaning sure. that Lisa's prayer of faith is just as powerful as my priesthood blessing. I don't know. Let's keep that. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know how you can definitively say that either. It's impossible to know. I think that you could definitively say that. Definitively, 100%. If you understood, or if we could agree that the power of God is acting in the will of God and asking in, in the name of Jesus Christ with faith in Jesus Christ. If we can agree on that definition, then I can think that we can, I can definitively say that Lisa's prayer of faith is just as powerful as my priesthood blessing. That's why, dude, it makes me really uncomfortable when people ask me for a priesthood blessing. Um, it, it truly does, actually. Like, I feel very why? uncomfortable because I don't feel like, I don't feel like my priesthood blessing is any different. Like, for example, my sometimes my mother-in-law will be like, hey, give your son a priesthood blessing. And I'm like, why don't you just say a prayer with him? Mm -hmm. it, it's just like just uncomfortable you know what i mean yeah no, that, that, that's just that's that's no, actually that's how i feel so anyways hmm. i can tell <laughs> i've kicked the, the horse well i yeah i yeah i just i i think I, about it bro I, I, trust me bro i've talked with my dad and others for hours about this and i i can see that in terms of a priesthood blessing of like just counsel or like help, it can be almost exactly the same as a prayer of faith. Like I think that the net effect is pretty much the exact same. It's the power of God working within them. I think the avenue is different, which sometimes people need to hear a blessing in order to receive answers from God. So I, I don't know if that has any role to play, but two... But that, what you're saying is that if someone wants to get baptized, yeah. then maybe the male has that role to play. Yeah. Maybe he's been given that role. Yeah. To bestow authority or bestow a stamp of approval from God. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's, but again, I don't know why that, to, like, it's such a weird position to be in because it makes it feel like that's a bad thing. Why is that bad? You know, Christ, at one point, Christ and John the Baptist were the only people that had the authority of God on the planet. Like, was that that controversial? Like, and he gave it to 12 people, and then he gave it to 70. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm okay know? with the idea that, that men and women have different roles. That's not an issue. But what I, I do have a problem with is, like, this, this concept of authority. Like, yeah. that it's, it's only, it's only uh, I don't know, I, I just think that God wants to give us authority he wants to give us his power so if we're equating authority and power then like we all have equal access to god's power i think so yeah and that's what the temple if, if we're living too. according to his way yeah. of life yeah we're all yeah we're all bestowed with the power of god so all right um we're, we're already kind of getting long but honestly we could take out probably 15 minutes of that mm -hmm. conversation uh let's see okay lex wanted me to talk about this one in a couple a while ago so i want to i want to get your opinion on it god is heavily involved in good and or bad outcomes yeah great one 
Uh, I'm going to change the word heavily out. I say God is involved because that allows us some wiggle room. I think it just made it more arbitrary, harder to answer. Heavily involved. I put. All right, ready? I'd strongly disagree. Uh, I put somewhat agree, but I'm like on the fence here. I don't know. I think I'm I'm neutral ground. Strongly disagree. God is heavily involved in good and bad outcomes. Why? Mm, I think that most things that happen that are good or bad are just consequences of nature. And God kind of lets nature play out and arms us with tools to deal with it as best we can. But it opens up the the question of like, is God all powerful? And if he is all powerful, what does that mean? And I think a lot of people would define that as he's able to control anything that he wants. So that may be us. Well, that's my point. So I, I don't think that he can be all powerful because can he control us? Like, is it is it actually possible? I don't know. I would say I would say probably not, because that's the one thing that he has given us that he probably can't take away is our agency. I don't know. Maybe not. But yeah, I'm I'm of the opinion that all the the bad things that happen in the world, like the natural disasters, the murders. Could God prevent them? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I, I would just say that he is very much less involved in that side and wants us to help or wants to help us deal with just nature, like what would naturally happen according to the eternal laws of nature. So then what about the opposite of like good outcomes? Yeah. Um, you asked, what is a blessing a couple of minutes ago? What, what is a blessing? You know, does like, <laughs> I heard, uh, I went to church this Sunday and this lady was like, please bless all those who just need a little extra blessings today. And I'm like, I, I thought to myself, I was like, what are blessings? What is God supposed to do with that? I need, I need blessings. Yeah. yeah. But what are those blessings and how do they manifest? So I don't, I don't even know how to define a blessing, but anything that like benefits you, but maybe something that we think is beneficial to us, maybe isn't beneficial to us in the eyes of God. Luca sure seems to think that candy is beneficial to him, but I know it's not beneficial to him. So yeah, what we would classify as blessings, maybe God isn't classifying as blessings. And I think sometimes the good things that happen in our life are just due to luck or hard work or other people being generous around us. And could it be that God makes good things happen to us? Yeah, I think so. But isn't there a scripture in the New Testament that says like, God maketh the sun set and rise on the wicked and the just? Yeah, something like that, or the rain, mm -hmm. like the good and bad people both get rain and sunshine, right? Mm -hmm. It makes it seem like God isn't really as concerned about what happens to us maybe he's more concerned like how he can help us react to whatever is happening to us so i don't know i could be wrong yeah i yeah i, I don't know either she she's asked me this a couple of times and and i think there's a lot of 
merit to the question, you know, like, why do we always give God all the praises whenever something good happens, but then say when something bad happens, you know, God wasn't involved at all, you know? And I think that's a fair critique of our language that we use. I think that, I, I don't know if it's plagued with the thought, like all good things come from God. I think they can come from God. I think, I think a lot of the time, kind of like what you were saying, a lot of it is like your perception of the event. Like, I think that is really what's important. Like if you get a pay raise or if you, you know, get a, a new job or whatever, something good, if you give God the glory. I think that's a, a sign of humility, right? Like you're, you recognize that you're not perfect and yeah, you probably worked really hard. But, but it could also be dangerous too. I would push back on that because if you attribute things to God that weren't can. necessarily God. It could lead to other things where. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you get into this pattern of thinking that God is just the rhyme and reason for every everything. little thing that happens in your life. I and some people firmly true. believe that. Right? Yeah. Like, and I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I do. Like, I think when you said, well, two things, one, this is kind of a pessimistic way. And I have an idea of how I think you would respond to this, but on my mission, I came to the conclusion that generic prayers get generic results and specific prayers get specific results. And I think that like with anything in life, I think that that's kind of true, but I think particularly with prayers, like if you ask God to bless you with what, you know, like, I think that, I think that there should be some thought behind that, those words. Like I, I would ask that God would bless me with more peace today or tomorrow than I had yesterday or more uh, focus or more of an attentive uh, attitude towards uh, my work than my phone or something like that. Like to ask for specific things as opposed to just, please bless us that we'll have a good day. You know, like, I think that, I don't know how you'd think about that. Like that's a pessimistic way of viewing God. I, I think the reason why I think that could be pessimistic is like, really, you need to ask for specific things from God to get things. I'm like, well, yeah, kind of. My child came to me and asked me for something generic. Like, Dad, I want food. I said, well, what food do you want? And then people would say, well, God would know what food you'd want. It's like, well, I probably know what food my kid wants, but I want to know what he wants. So tell me. I don't, I don't know if God's like that or not, but. Yeah, I don't know. Good questions. But the only thing that I have to go on my relationship with God is like my relationship with my own physical or my earthly father mm-hmm. and now my relationship with my son. Mm-hmm. And the, the older I've gotten, the more I view my relationship with God as more of like a partnership rather than anything else. Because most of the decisions that I've made have been made because I have thought it out in my mind. I have reasoned it out and I have taken my decision to God and said, Hey, I'm going to do this. Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. And to steer me in another direction. Otherwise, I'm moving forward. So I think we're we're more in control of our lives than we lead on. Mm-hmm. And I think God is is just there to help us deal with the the natural consequences that can sometimes be dealt to us in life. Sometimes those consequences aren't natural. Sometimes they're just consequences of our own actions. Exactly. For example, if, if we work really hard at at work we're more likely to get a raise that we want, right? 
If we don't work very hard at work, we're less likely to get that raise. And if you ask God for a raise and you're not willing to put in the work, I don't think God is able to do that. I agree. Because God doesn't control the person on the other side giving you that raise. Could he soften his heart and like alter the circumstances? Sure. But at the end of the day, like, I think, I think you're in control really. Um, and there's a fine line too, because if you take that to an extreme where you think that you're in control of everything, it can lead to your demise. Like yeah. it can be a very arrogant way of thinking in a prideful way. Manifesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's nothing, I don't think there's anything wrong with manifesting anything that you want, but like believing that you are in control of everything is a very, um, what's, what's the word? Naive way of thinking, you know, absolutely. People who think that their success has been a hundred percent because of their hard work. It's like maybe 50%, but like you probably got lucky on the way too. Oh yeah. You know, I, I got really lucky in a couple of my positions as well. Like I, I fully acknowledge that. So, um, and bad luck as well too. Right. Yeah. Like some people are just born in worse situations than other people. And, I think like maybe put a cap on it. Like I think ultimately God is there for us when bad things happen and he can help us mourn and be comforted and to get more wisdom or ideas when something goes awry. I think, I think most of the time God isn't behind a car crash. I like when people say, I, like, I don't love the idea of like, God just needed him more than we do, I guess. Like, I don't love that because it's blaming God for a tragedy. Maybe that's true, but I don't think that that's appropriate per se. I think that God can comfort us during this is more of the appropriate thing to say. Or, And it is it can be a tragedy still. But um, Well, a good father would never micromanage his child because then his child would never, grow. would never grow and would never be able to make his own decisions. So if the purpose of our life is to become like God, who is the most free being to ever exist and probably the most powerful being is how we would define them. Then we have to learn to become like him. Mm-hmm. You can't just give that to us. Right. Exactly. Cool. Um, so what did we decide on the priesthood? Um, that Chris was right. Dallin just needs to read 35. Well, everyone in the church is going to agree with you. So you're going to get your confirmation bias, but I don't think so. I, I, I think can't... I misspoke earlier. And I regret that like, I'm sincerely wanting to take out that part because I don't want people to be like, wow, Chris thinks that men are greater than women. Like, like I, I don't think that at all. Just we're different. Well, I think, I think you should really think about the priesthood authority then because you don't think I've thought about that 12 discussions. I think what you do is you go back and you talk to people that just like reconfirm your biases. I I think you should. I don't. I think you should talk to people that like are thinking about this differently. Like, I, like I don't you? know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like that's what I've been doing. Well, great. But um, listen, we know you're not a bad guy. You're the best husband that has ever existed, bro. One hundred percent. Think so. And I know what you were trying to say. I just think that your line of thinking has been adopted. Because that's just what we've been taught in the church. And no one really knows what the priesthood authority is, I don't think. Like, I, I have yet to ever receive, even on my mission, I was asking these questions. No one's ever given me a good definition of what 
the priesthood authority is other than the power of God, which if it's the power of God, we access through faith in Jesus Christ. Anyone can have faith in Jesus Christ. So anyone can access the power of God. So in my mind, logically, there's not a difference. So if anyone can prove me otherwise, I'm happy to listen. I would love to have an answer. Tell me why the priesthood authority is important in God's plan, other than the fact that it is being used ritualistically to teach us the importance of organization and structure. Because there's no doubt an importance for that. Yeah, I thought Dan had a question. I forgot. Do you want to talk about this one? Or we save it for next time? (laughs) No, (laughs) we can save it for next time. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to stop. We're at an hour 20. I mean, people have been missing us. It's been, (laughs) it's been three weeks. Uh, But yeah, I, uh, I think that overall, I think we agreed on almost everything that we, that we asked except the woman and men, but I think actually we agree. I hope, but uh, it's just the way that we went about it. Um, if not, if if we don't agree, then you just oh. you still owe me a definition. Well, I was going to say is for I I do think that it's completely possible for a woman to get the priesthood like that. Like if prophets and apostles come out and say, like, yeah, women can hold priest callings, they can be a bishop, whatever. Like, okay, yeah, I I can get that. Like that to me is not wow, no way. Like I, but I don't know. Like I I feel like if that were to happen. In some way, it would eliminate a lot of the what I believe that there are differences between men and women in their roles in this life. And one critique that I have about a lot of a lot of people think about this position of like men presiding or whatever, um, and like why isn't there a woman prophet? It's like I don't know if you think this is a dumb counter argument. It's like there's only one bishop, there's only one state president. It's not like all the men in the ward have the authority over the woman. Like, and even the bishop doesn't really have authority over the ward. He just presides over the ward in the sense that he watches over and he gives callings and delegates and stuff. And he, and he hears people. And yes, it's them. symbolic. He's it's, a shepherd. He's a shepherd. But it's only one man. The, I'm never going to be a prophet. Like, am I mad about that? No. Like, when we're like, well, until I see a woman prophet, it's like, there's only like, 14 prophets well, it's because, in the history of the church. You know? it's, it's because it's not about a power struggle for you. Like your mind is in the right place, I think. Your heart is in the right place, clearly. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you would be running for profit. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Maybe you are secretly running for profit. No, but I know that. No way. Yeah. I mean, it comes down to that question. Like if you're concerned about who's holding the power, then your heart is not in the right place. Mm-hmm. Forgive my boldness, but I really believe that. Like you shouldn't even be asking that question. Yeah. So. Yeah. I just think it's a, it's a straw man and not sure. Women, women, you know, is, would I be upset if the Relief Society presidency was sat on the stage? No, they can sit on the stage. I can see that happening. Why shouldn't it? Why shouldn't they sit on the stage? Like same thing. Like I, I don't know. I think that that, that would be fine. I think that would maybe help women feel like, okay, yeah, women do have a say or should the whole ward council sit on the stage? I don't know. I don't know. Then it no, you like don't. You don't give into then. it. It's not about power. You I know, but like, like the representation thing. But then it's like, and then another critique of the the video is like, men have authority over men and women. Women only have authority over men. And I'm like, that's not true. Women are over primary, and primary is 
boys and girls, right? It's not just girls. You know, men are not over primary. Yeah, the representation yeah. piece is, is tricky too because then if everyone needs to be represented, then you need to have a handicapped person on stage. You need to have a black person on stage. You need to have a, yeah, American, no a white person on stage. You need to have a white person with six fingers and five toes on stage. You yeah. know what I mean? It's a tough topic. And I, if this is something that I want to say too, if anyone's still listening, if you ever get hurt or offended by whatever down and I say, I want you to know that at least for me, I can speak for me. I'm never meaning to hurt or offend anybody. And so if that's how you're coming with, like come and talk to me so that you can help educate me on how to talk differently or whatever. But like, I'm, we're just two guys talking to each other and hoping other people can resonate with things that we say. And uh, we're trying our best, I think, to be respectful to other people and to, I mean, I think, I think you're trying your best. I of believe course. that you're trying your I best. I would never apologize for like words. You know, if my, if my words are offensive to someone, then, then like, okay, if you feel like I'm being malicious, to you come and talk to me right and i will either apologize for my maliciousness or if you felt like it was misconstrued but like i don't know some of these topics are sensitive and mm -hmm. like i'm not i'm not gonna sit here and be woke and try and like cater to everyone's needs and preferences like you speak what you believe yeah this is what i believe and if you have a problem with it let's talk about it yeah tell me why i'm wrong and mm -hmm. i will absolutely listen to you mm -hmm. and reason with you same Hundred percent. So, just want to put that out there. Uh, there was a, another issue that I'm going to talk about, but that will be for a different day, and I'll put that at the beginning of the podcast again because I know that's a sub, a very sensitive subject. But, anyways, thanks everyone for listening, and we'll catch you. We'll catch you again, hopefully next week, episode fourteen.